Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. We're going to start with the American Rescue Plan of 2021, which was signed into law by President Biden on March 11th. There are several items of particular note for government contractors, and I'm just going to mention a few of them. The bill extends Section 3610 of the CARES Act through September 30th of this year. The extension allows federal agencies to reimburse contractors for six additional months of paid leave costs if employees are unable to access work sites to perform their duties and unable to telework during the pandemic. Without this latest extension, Section 3610 relief would have ended on March 31st of this year. Consistent with the original enactment and previous extensions, the Act does not provide funding specifically for the relief, but agencies are authorized to use any available funds. The American Rescue Plan also creates massive opportunities for companies to serve the government at all levels, federal, state, local. For instance, the bill provides nearly $91 billion to the Department of Health and Human Services for pandemic-related activities, including research, development, manufacturing and distribution of vaccines, therapeutics, diagnostic testing, contact tracing, and expanding the healthcare workforce. Additionally, the bill sets aside about $50 billion for FEMA's disaster relief fund in order to reimburse state and local governments for COVID-related expenses. The bill provides an additional $350 billion for states, territories, and tribal governments to mitigate the fiscal effects stemming from COVID. This allocation includes creation of a coronavirus capital projects fund to provide $10 billion for states, territories, and tribal governments to conduct critical capital projects directly enabling work, education, and health monitoring in response to the pandemic. So here's the bottom line. The American Rescue Plan will lead to major opportunities and, of course, a variety of compliance challenges and hurdles for contractors and recipients at all levels of government. So something we'll be watching and something that lots of contractors are going to be carefully monitoring to take advantage of those opportunities. Yuan, over to you. Thanks, Peter. We next turn to two regulatory updates from the Department of Labor. Now, first, on March 12th, the DOL issued a notice of proposed rulemaking to withdraw the final rule titled Independent Contractor Status under the Fair Labor Standards Act, which establishes a five-factor test for determining independent contractor classification. The final rule was promulgated by the Trump administration on January 7th of this year, and previously scheduled to go into effect on May 7th of 2021. Now, after taking into consideration the legal, policy, and enforcement implications of the final rule, the DOL decided to rescind the regulatory provision, citing a number of reasons, including that the final rule standard has never been used by any court or by the DOL Wage and Hour Division and is not supported by the FLSA's text or case law. The final rule's changes would have caused confusion or led to inconsistent outcomes rather than provide clarity or certainty as intended. And withdrawal would not be disruptive since the final rule has yet to take effect. Second, on March 12, 2021, the DOL's Wage and Hour Division issued a notice of proposed rulemaking to rescind the joint employer status under the Fair Labor Standards Act final rule, which was published on January 16th of last year 
and took effect on March 16th of 2020. The Wage and Hour Division largely based its proposed rescission on the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York's September 8th, 2020 decision to vacate most of the final rule. The court found that the final rule's standard for vertical joint employer liability violated the Administrative Procedure Act because it conflicted with the Fair Labor Standards Act and prior WHD interpretations. The proposed rescission would remove the regulations established by the final rule and allow the WHD to engage in further legal analysis in order to ensure that lawful and clear guidance is being provided to the regulated community. Peter, back to you. Great. Thanks, Yuan. So next up is a CMMC update. On February 23rd, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Accreditation Body held a town hall addressing CMMC program updates and answering a variety of frequently asked questions. And we want to share a few headlines from that session. So here are a couple of of the key takeaways. DOD plans to release a revised model by mid-year, but could not confirm when it plans to release the revised assessment guides. The model changes will focus on levels four and five with limited changes to levels one through three. DOD intends to structure contracts such that different work requirements may carry different CMMC levels. This information will be stated in both the solicitation and contract to help both prime and subcontractors understand how CMMC will flow down through the supply chain. CMMC permits contractors to argue that a requirement is not applicable and therefore not required for certification. To be successful, the contractor's argument must be open quote, justified, documented, and validated, close quote, by the assessor. And finally, DOD has identified an additional four contracts for inclusion in the FY21 pilot programs. These haven't yet been announced and will bring the total of proposed programs up to 14. And DOD is expected to begin announcing the FY2022 procurements selected for inclusion in the CMMC pilot program. DOD plans to add 75 contracts to that universe. So lots to watch on CMMC. Obviously, a lot of contractors trying to figure out when it will apply to them and how they will get to a place that they can comply when this moves forward for them. Yuan, back to you for our last item. Great. Now, last on our list is an interesting copyright decision from the Federal Circuit. On February 25th, the Federal Circuit vacated and remanded a decision by the Court of Federal Claims that found the Navy was not liable for copyright infringement. Even though it was undisputed that the Navy made over 429,000 copies of BitManagement's BS Contact Geo software, when the Navy only paid for 119 copies. Now, the Court of Federal Claims reasoned that the Navy was not liable because it had an implied in fact license that permitted it to make the copies. While the Federal Circuit's majority agreed that the Navy indeed had an implied in fact license, it said that the analysis should not have stopped there. Rather, the Court of Federal Claims should have also considered whether the Navy complied with the terms of that implied license. According to the Federal Circuit, the Navy did not. Now, the implied license was conditioned on the Navy's use of a license tracking software at the time of copying to monitor usage by limiting the number of simultaneous users of the management software. However, the Navy failed to use that license tracking software. The Federal Circuit held that the Navy's copying outside of the scope of the implied license created liability for infringement. In a concurring opinion, Judge Newman reached the same conclusion, 
but she disagreed as to the existence of an applied license, simply finding that the Navy's massive copying infringed bit management's copyright. The case was remanded to the Court of Federal Claims for the calculation of a reasonable royalty for the Navy's actual usage in excess of the licensed number of copies, which the burden is on the government to prove. Peter. Great. Well, with that, we will close out this edition. Thank you all for joining us. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thank you so much for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.